0: Blog Talk Radio. happy friday everybody welcome to the michael cutler hour i am your host michael cutler it is may the 24th 2019 memorial day um, in the offing just uh, starting tomorrow tonight uh, if you look at the traffic around new york city um, and i thank you so much for joining me Um, and i thank you for your interest in the immigration crisis and the other challenges that america and americans face today Unfortunately, the mainstream media seems to have a serious problem providing the news, providing perspectives that are contrary to groupthink, common knowledge, whatever you want to call it. The purpose of my program uh, is to provide you with the perspectives and the information that you're not going to get from the mainstream media. I've been doing this one way or another ever since the terror attacks of September 11, 2001. On the ashes of that conflagration, the ground zero landed on my home and my neighborhood and in part contained the remains of some of my neighbors. It's incredible to me that after 9-11, after we have seen the damage that could be done to our country, the thousands of people killed, and it's many more than the 3,000 who died immediately on 9-11, or nearly 3,000, because in the years that have followed, more and more people have been sickened, and have died terribly, painfully, because of diseases that they contracted as a direct result of their exposure to the toxins that were released when the towers collapsed in Lower Manhattan. In fact, the belt was named for a police officer believed to be the first responder to have perished because of that exposure. It seems as though every 10 days, every two weeks, another first responder, principally, this is first responders, but not only, firemen, Uh, EMTs, federal agents, uh, police officers, people who rushed in trying to desperately look for survivors and then combing through the rubble looking for human remains to help to bring closure to their families. Um, And yet, nobody wants to remember that first and foremost, those attacks, first and foremost, were principally made possible by multiple failures of the immigration system. That's not my statement. That's what the 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, made abundantly clear. And even now, when you hear references to 9-11, they talk about the tragedy of 9-11, 9-11, 9-11. That's all you hear. The 9-11 Memorial. What's left out of the conversation is that had there been no terrorist attacks, there would have been no fatalities. Understand the issue. Uh, Therein lies the problem. Um, the American people are being kept pretty much in the dark because of uh, all that is happening um, when um, when you have borders that don't work. Um, so understand where we, where we go with all of this. Um, we have got to wake up to the dangers that we face. We have to understand the realities that we're dealing with. Our borders are our first and last line of defense against drug traffickers, against terrorists, against fugitives from justice. Uh, Yes, against aliens who may have dangerous diseases. In fact, um, we've had executives uh, in the county governments around New York City calling for the federal government to demand, to absolutely demand vaccination records of, of people traveling into the United States because of the measles outbreak. We see where uh, some of those um, detention centers where the aliens are being held after they enter the country illegally um, have epidemics of the mumps, of the flu, dangerous diseases. Yet if you dare raise the issue, you're accused of xenophobia, you're accused of being a hater, you're accused of being anti-immigrant. You know, our immigration laws are among the most generous in the world. Every year, the United States admits over a million lawful immigrants. That's more than the rest of the world combined. Understand what that means. But it seems as though no matter how many immigrants we admit legally, the open borders crowd, and it's both sides of the aisle, make no mistake about it, want to keep on that flood of people into our country to placate the US Chamber of Commerce, to placate the immigration lawyers who see clientele, who placate the universities because they know that these kids are going to go to school and the list goes on and on and on the banks are happy to move the money the real estate people are happy to flood the country with more people who need more housing which jacks up the price of housing and the value of real estate they're making out like bandits never mind that people are being killed never mind that aliens are being exploited and exploited terribly um I don't see illegal aliens as my enemy. They are being victimized and victimized by our own politicians and their politicians. The very politicians who jump up and down and talk about compassion know damn well that the only reason an employer hires an illegal alien is to exploit that individual. This isn't an act of compassion. You don't hire illegal aliens because you're being compassionate. Yes. I've seen cases where one or two people were hired and they were illegal and the employer felt bad for them. And that does happen. But when you can walk into sweatshops, and I did, remember, I'm not speaking through my left ear. I was an agent for 26 years, and I spent four years as an inspector at Kennedy Airport. I spent a year as an adjudications officer. I saw this up close and in person day after day after day for more than 30 Years, and I'll put my experience on the line against any of the talking heads that spew utter garbage in the mainstream media. They don't know what in the world they're talking about, but their mouths are flapping. Goodness, I wish they had had my parents. They would have learned some important lessons. You know, I I remember at the dinner table, and my parents didn't have opportunities for education. My dad had an eighth grade education, but he was a tradesman. He was a plumber. He was a union member. And I will tell you that I will take one true craftsman, tradesman, over 100 pencil-neck geeks that are nothing more than con artists. When you look at the nonsense that the banks come up with, I didn't know three-card Monty was a product. You look at America's blue-collar workers. They built this country. They're the heart and soul of this country. Yes, we need the doctors and the scientists and the engineers and the lawyers, but without those construction workers, those surgeons would be doing surgery in the middle of a grassy field, and they'd have to use sharpened rocks instead of scalpels because it's the people in the factories that built the, their instruments and, and everything else that we use. They built society. They continue to build society. And you have these dirtbag politicians talk about the work that Americans won't do. Those lazy bums that run their mouths don't know how to do a day's work, but I can tell you that America's blue-collar workers do but they want to get a living wage. What a unique thought. Imagine making enough money to support yourself and your family. And Alan Greenspan runs around and talks about how we need to import more high-tech foreign workers so that we can attack the problem of wage inequality, because if we could make American high-tech workers the privileged elite, as he had the unmitigated chutzpah to refer to them, We could take care of that wage premium, and if we got rid of it, then we would narrow the gap between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. In other words, let's destroy the middle class so the poor will have no one to be envious of. Unless you want to be envious of Greenspan, old and ugly as he is, the guy is a gazillionaire. But he has the nerve to call American middle class workers the privileged elite. This is what we are up against. It is toxic. It is anti-American, and it's costing lives. And what I'm trying to do in this program, and if you're familiar with this show, you know what I do, I try to take the events of the past week and explain how those issues, immigration issues, look through the prism of experience that I've acquired in my decades of dealing with the issue. But before we get into immigration, I do have to make a point, this being the beginning of Memorial Day weekend. Again, if you're familiar with my work, you know that I've worked with foreign governments. I worked with the Israeli government when I was a brand-new agent. I tripped over a terror plot. We prevented a bombing in Israel. And I became very friendly with the Israeli police officials that were assigned to the consulate in New York. Generally, it was a general. And I remember having lunch one day with an Israeli Uh, police general who had been in new york as the consul general in fact and over lunch he said you know mike i don't want to offend you because i have to tell you that every israeli sees america as its big brother we look up to america you are our heroes without america we'd have serious problems but he said the one thing that i find disturbing and he said i don't want to upset you but he said on memorial day weekend it's hard for me to understand why it seems for the most part to be a weekend of linen sales and barbecues because in Israel we have an equivalent holiday to remember the fallen soldiers who gave their young lives to keep our country safe. And we remember them by a couple of minutes of silence or a minute of silence. I forget exactly um, how they do it in Israel, but everything stops. People turn off the engines of their cars. They get out of their cars and they bow their heads If not in prayer, then in reverence for the fallen. Radio stations stop broadcasting. It's a true moment of silence. Not commercialized. Not an opportunity to get more money. It's about remembering the fallen, honoring their memories, honoring their gallantry. And you know, it's one of those things that once you hear it, you can't unhear it. I can never forget that conversation. I can never forget the strong emotions that it evoked in my heart, because he was right. Yes, of course we should have barbecues. Of course we should go about our lives and celebrate the freedoms. But those freedoms were, paid, were bought and paid for by our men and women in the armed forces who gave their lives or, or, or became grievously injured defending our nation. And at the foundation of democracy, is the freedom of speech, the freedom of expression. When you can't freely and fearlessly express your thoughts, democracy is not possible. Freedom requires the freedom to speak your mind. Of course, we're not talking about screaming fire in a crowded theater when there is no fire. But it is so important to have debate and discourse so that people could look at multiple alternatives and work out good solutions to the problems we face, and we certainly face a whole bunch of problems. But there's an agenda in place to provide Americans with one choice and one choice only. And by doing that, we diminish democracy and we threaten democracy. I'm going to give all of you a homework assignment. I'm serious. Write this down you haven't read it or haven't read it recently please i beg you read 1984 written by george orwell what passes for political correctness is actually not political correctness newspeak is not political correctness it's an attempt at thought control mind control the ministry of truth in 1984 was the bureaucracy that created the language that was designed to eliminate thoughts and distort the understandings of the citizenry about key issues. That's where we are today. And I really believe that the best way to honor our soldiers, especially those who gave their lives, is to declare Memorial Day, perhaps Veterans Day, um, the 4th of July, days of open debate and discourse. We need to reclaim our rights under our Constitution to not be intimidated, to speak our minds. Debate is healthy. My degree was in communications, arts, and sciences. I sometimes jokingly call it my B.A. in B.S. But let me tell you, if you cannot defend your position in an open debate, then maybe you need to reconsider your position. And I don't care what the issue is. And we can disagree and still be good friends. I am registered as a Democrat. I can't tell you the last time I voted for a Democrat because the Democrats are no longer Democrats. They've become anarchists and seditionists. But those of you who are Republicans, don't get too smug because I don't have too many kind words to say about the Republican Party either. If you want to see collusion, look at the major parties and look at the immigration issue and you'll see collusion. We need to learn how to defend our positions by understanding the facts, raising the right questions, and making our politicians accountable. We're approaching the 2020 election. We are at crossroads in 2020. Which path will America take? I don't always agree with Donald Trump. I will tell you this right up front. You should never agree with anybody 100%. Mayor Ed Koch, my favorite mayor of New York City, said something to the effect that I'm going to get the numbers wrong. But the point that he had made was if you agree with me three quarters of the time, 75% of the time, or 70% of whatever that number was, he said, then vote for me. But he said, if you agree with me a hundred percent of the time, see a psychiatrist, you know, but I, I was infuriated this past week because I was watching closely the meeting that president Trump had in the oval office with, with the, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, after they called for his impeachment, and he made a decision, which is understandable that there was no way to negotiate with people who were knifing him in the back. And he said to them, and you heard it on television, he said, If you want to discuss infrastructure, which we desperately need to do, then let's do it. But first, dispose of your investigations, because you've done this for two years, you've spent tons of money. Nothing has come of it. Finish up what you're doing, and when you're done, then I will sit down with you. Reasonable, rational, appropriate. The media reported that Trump gave them an ultimatum, either end your investigations or I won't negotiate infrastructure. When I was an agent, there's a, I can tell you that there's a very big difference if one of my bosses told me to end an investigation rather than complete the investigation I was working on. End it means stop it, terminate it. Complete it means run all your lead, get done with it, write your report, and move on. They're very different. But if you listen to the media, and they lied, they made it sound as though the ultimatum was terminate the investigation into what my family and I have been doing, or you're not getting infrastructure. It's a bald-faced lie. It pains me to say this. At one point, I had thought of becoming a journalist, which is the logical place to go after you get a degree in communications, arts, and sciences. But these folks aren't being journalists. They're propagandists. They could be employees of George Orwell's Ministry of Truth. So please, this weekend... Uh, Keep those soldiers, those who gave their lives, those who continue to serve, and our veterans. Keep all of them in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, And if you happen to see some of our sailors' fleet week here in New York, make sure to let them know that you support them. They need to hear that from us. They really do. i spent a little bit more time with this than I had planned to, but I want to get right into the the issue um, that I wrote about this past week. And what I wrote about this past week, and I wrote about basically the same thing in two different places. I've begun writing uh, articles for Dennis Michael Lynch. Uh, Dennis is a, uh, a guy who's done documentaries. I've actually appeared in some of his documentaries on immigration. They, he entitled them They Come to America. He also has a website, dmlnews.com. One word, DML, Dennis Michael Lynch, dmlnews.com. And I wrote an article about family separation. We're hearing all of, again, the noise from the media and the left. Trump is separating the families. That's all we're hearing about. Trump is separating families. How dare he? Ripping children from their mothers. I did a debate several years ago, um, and, and it was amazing. There was a mayor. This was the, uh, uh, the civil the, uh, oh, my goodness, I'm trying to remember the uh, SEIU. Uh, boy, they are a bunch, the SEIU group. And it, was, it turned out, and I didn't realize that he was the mayor of a town uh, in New Jersey, but had also, because many of these mayors, in these little towns, have their own businesses. He was a landscaper. And he got up there and blatantly lied about how immigration agents, jack booted, I don't even pay, I own a pair of jack-boots, okay? jack boots, okay? What do they even look like? Jack booted thug immigration agents, this was 10 years ago, are knocking down the doors of the immigrants and grabbing infants out of their beds with their mommies at 3 o'clock in the morning on brutally cold days. Wow. It took my breath away. Number one, you don't enter a house even with a warrant before 6 a.m. unless you get a nighttime warrant. And in my 30 years, I was involved with two of those warrants because there was an imminent threat to the lives of the people that we were dealing with. Generally speaking, when you get a federal search warrant, you may not enter into a house before 6 a.m. This guy was talking about 3 o'clock in the morning, pulling babies from their mother's bosoms. I mean, you had to hear this. And the audience, of course, was eating it up, comparing immigration agents to Nazis, which really frosted my tail. I'm Jewish. My family was decimated by the Nazi bastards in the Holocaust. I was named for my mother's mother, who was slaughtered in Poland because of our religion. So the immigration agents were Nazi thugs, yanking babies away from their mommies in the middle of the night, in the dead of winter, on and on and on. We're hearing a variation of that now. Trump is responsible for family separation. So I wrote about family separation, and let me tell you my view as an immigration agent or former agent, once an agent, always an agent. Let's begin with the illegal alien who comes to the United States illegally. The day that he or she arrives here without his family is the day that they've already been separated. The family has been separated by the alien coming to America. That alien may be desperate. Now, we could talk about criminals, and I've done a lot of that. We could talk about the cartels and terrorists, and we know that that's a big problem. We know, as I've mentioned in recent programs, that Iran is working with the human traffickers, sleeper agents. Um, are managing to make their way to the United States either by running the borders or coming with visas um, and then even acquiring citizenship. I just wrote an article about a naturalized sleeper agent who was involved with Hezbollah. His whole family is involved with Hezbollah. You would have thought that we could have screened him better when we gave this guy citizenship. Wait till you read the story. You'll be in shock. It will keep you awake at night. I promise you. But I'm not going to talk about the terrorists for the moment. I'm just going to talk about hardworking people who can't make a living in their own country because countries like Mexico have created an oligarchy where the very wealthy keep getting very wealthier and the poor keep getting poorer. You know, tale of two cities, the best of times and the worst of times. And out of desperation, some of these folks come to the United States knowing damn well they're going to be treated like trash. What's exceptional about these workers is not their skill set, but their willingness to work for exceptionally low wages under exceptionally adverse and dangerous conditions. As an agent, I raided sweatshops. I saw the conditions that they worked under. I've, seen story, I've heard stories from women who were forced to have sex with their boss on the lunch hour if they wanted to continue to work in a sweatshop. He would walk up and down the aisles, and, and there were multiple factories where I heard similar stories, and I had no reason to doubt it. And the guy would just, it was like he had a little harem and he'd point at some girl, and he'd point to his office, and she knew she had to go into the office and make him happy or she was out of a job. Didn't matter if she was married. Didn't matter if she had children. He would point at her, and she had to do what she was told or else. You want to talk about sexual harassment? You want to talk about disgusting? You want to talk about coercion and inhumanity? These intentional employers of illegal aliens who do it the way they do it on a large scale, are the scum of the earth. They are abusive. They think they're tyrants. I had a go-around with a guy who wanted me to come in and arrest five illegals in his own factory. Meanwhile, he had 70 or 80 illegal aliens. Why the five? Well, it turned out they were trying to unionize. And he said, how dare they? We're going to teach them a lesson. And after I arrested the five and I said, now we're going to talk to your other people. He said, get the hell out of here, you're trespassing. Except I had a surprise for him. We had a federal search warrant and we wound up arresting most of the place. We eventually put him out of business. And this was before the knowing hiring of illegal aliens was against the law. This guy was the quintessential bully. He was an animal. And he treated these people in a way that would break your heart. He had three air conditioners running in his office with deep padding and padded and paneled walls. And these people were in a sweatshop that had no air conditioning. Um, Air was being moved by filth-encrusted fans on big, tall stands. The windows were open about two inches. And to my horror, the safety exits, the emergency exits, were blocked by boxes of fabric and all kinds of crap. It was reminiscent of the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire, except this was happening in the 80s, the 1980s, not the 1880s. So this kind of exploitation is commonplace, all too commonplace. But we're told that if you oppose the employment of these quote-unquote immigrants, you lack compassion. It's not compassionate to treat people that way. Really, it isn't. When they testified in Indianapolis, there was an illegal alien who testified. And when I spoke about the conditions under which they lived, sometimes 20 people living on bare, filthy mattresses laid end-to-end, side-to-side next to each other in a two-bedroom apartment that was designed for a family of four. Suddenly the crash pads, the 20, where there's filth and squalor, where we saw something that we used to call the moving wall. If you don't know what the moving wall is, there's so many insects infesting the apartment that when you turn on the light switch, all the insects on the wall scatter. You can't even see the paint. All you see are bugs of every description imaginable, trying to run in every direction imaginable. It looks like the football stands with the fans doing the wave. And when I talked about it afterwards, he came up and hugged me. I thought he was going to argue with me. And he told me in broken English, Mr. Cutley, you're the first American to talk about how they treat us. He said, you know, if you treated a dog the way we're treated, you would go to jail. But when you do it to me or my people from my country, and he was from Central America, it's just another day. He said, do you think I want to be here and be treated this way? He said, I miss my wife and children terribly, but I can't support them without coming to America. And he said, and don't think for a moment that we're making so much money that they live well, but at least I can I can pay for their food. I can pay for them to have a place to live. What we do by allowing this insanity is to use America as a safety valve for countries that need to have a change in the way they deal with their own people. That's what's really needed. Mexico has the 16th largest economy in the world by some accounts. And yet the wealth of Mexico is controlled by less than 1% of of its people. The reason you have a problem with illegal immigration from Mexico is very simple. It's the place where the third world and the first world collide. And all that separates us is that 2,000-mile border. So understand that the separation of families occurs when the alien leaves his or her family to come to the United States. In the old days, the solution to that sort of family separation was to deport the illegal alien and reunite them with their family. But the politicians who want to manipulate the system to flood America, to placate that demand for the cheap labor, and the the uh, clients for immigration lawyers and the movement of the money that the banks are so happy about and so forth. They say let's let's reunite the families, but we'll do it in the United States. It's illogical, it's crazy, but it's one of many arguments that you hear when we engage in a debate about immigration. And of course, they always throw in for good measure that our immigration is are racist. I just saw a program about that. It's an example of America's racism. If you look at our immigration laws, specifically Title 8, United States Code Section 1182, it enumerates the categories of aliens who are to be excluded from the United States. There is not one single solitary word that differentiates people by race, by religion, by ethnicity, none of that. It's about aliens with dangerous communicable diseases or mental illness, aliens who are criminals, fugitives, spies, terrorists, human rights violators. Aliens would likely become a public charge, or aliens, uh, who, if they worked, would be displacing Americans and having an adverse impact on wages and working conditions for Americans who are similarly employed in the United States. There's nothing racist about it. It's common sense. If you look through the peephole of the door of your house before you let a stranger in, you're not being racist. You're not being xenophobic. You're being prudent. You're being cautious. You're being sensible. But that's not the story that's being spun by the media. And the children are being pulled from the families, and they're holding them, and look at what they've done. Well, it turns out out a study was done by DHS using DNA, and they found that at least 30% of the so-called families aren't families. Now, what's happened is, because of the Flores decision that says that you cannot hold a child or a family with a child for more than 20 days, it simply means that if you come to America with a minor, you have literally a get-out-of-jail card. The child is the get-out-of-jail card. We also have seen cases where aliens in their 20s claimed to be teenagers, and they got away with it. Some of them were members of gangs and criminal organizations. Okay? So children have now become a very important commodity. See, alien smugglers don't look at aliens or people as human beings. They look at them as a load, a load of bricks, a load of pot, a load of cocaine, a load of aliens. We frequently hear the term coyote used to describe describe smugglers. Now, I'm willing to bet that many of you don't know why they use the term coyote. This is, they, it's done in Spanish. Coyote, same word, spelled pretty much the same way, is the smuggler. Guess how they refer to the smuggled alien? Pollo. Now, if you don't know what pollo is, that's the Spanish word for chicken. Not as in cowards, but as in, you know, dinner. Because what do coyotes generally like to eat coyotes eat chickens you see it's a pernicious if you want to call it relationship certainly not symbiotic it's a parasitic relationship so you have the smugglers bringing the aliens into the united states the aliens are scared to death in fact we know that in some cases there have been shootouts between rival smuggling gangs i remember this where there was a video that was presented during a congressional hearing where I testified about alien smuggling. And one of the other witnesses provided a video of how two competing gangs of smugglers engaged in a gun battle over their quote-unquote load of pollos. People died. There was blood everywhere. They absolutely went guns blazing after each other because each one wanted to capture the aliens from the other and the money that they would be able to extort from their families once they got to the United States. Not a very romantic picture, is it? And in the middle of all this, we have children. And now minor children are the most important commodity going because of the Flores decision about not being able to hold aliens in custody more than 20 days. There was a press release and a news report that was the predication for the article that I just wrote to Front Page Magazine. Please go to frontpagemag.com after you listen to my program. The title of my article Alien Smugglers Exploit Infants While the Left Declares That There's No Crisis on the Border. And what had happened was this um, ICE issued a press release, and the title of it was this. Fraudulent family case involving six-month-old represents a new level of child endangerment, according to ICE officials. And here is the excerpt from the press release. Homeland Security Investigation Special Agents have described as an increasing trend of fraudulent families presenting at the border in order to take advantage of loopholes in immigration laws and avoid being detained by immigration authorities. And they talked about this one individual by the name of Almircar Guiza Reyes, a 51-year-old citizen and national of Honduras who had been previously deported in 2013, they caught him running or wading across the Rio Grande with that six-month-old infant in his arms. When he was questioned, he said that the baby was his son. Upon further questioning, and I believe they were at this point about to do DNA testing, or they did do DNA testing, he admitted it wasn't his kid. God knows whose child this little boy is. And what we've also found, the Border Patrol has found, that frequently children come to the United States across the border with a family. The family is released because of the Flores decision. And guess what happens to the little child? He gets sent back to Mexico, not to be reunited with his real family, but to become, if you will, a de facto visa, a de facto get-out-of-jail card for yet another family. And so the child gets used again. And then he gets sent back again, not to be reunited with his family, but to accompany yet another family of illegal aliens into the United States if this isn't child endangerment, if this isn't immoral on a scale that I don't even know where to begin, that we're being told that the families are renting out these children, quote-unquote renting them out. I know that as an agent, I've seen aliens rent out children when they wanted to claim they were married, they had a bogus birth certificate, and say, this is my wife, and we had a child together, and there's our child. Not really their child, but they tried to do it. But meanwhile, the mother of the child is is in the apartment next door or upstairs, or maybe she's hiding in the bathroom, okay? So she gets paid money. They look at the child. The mother gets the kid. They go home, and she walks away with whatever money they gave her. It's immoral. It's a crime. It's a problem. But you don't see a major risk to the child's well-being in that case. We know that families have rented children to apply for welfare and say, look, we have eight kids. They have no children. The eight kids aren't theirs. Welfare comes. They look at the apartment. They see all the kids sitting on the couch. They make note of what they saw, and the kids go back to the apartment next door. But here we're talking about taking a child from its parents in one country, turning it over to smugglers who would just as soon kill the baby and leave him in a garbage can to dispose of the evidence after the fact. And I I wouldn't even doubt, as horrible and horrific as that might sound, I wouldn't even doubt that that hasn't happened. Next to terrorists, human traffickers are the most pernicious and lowest forms of life you will ever encounter in this universe, I assure you. I've dealt with them. I speak from personal experience. They are filth, okay? They are slime. They rape women. In fact, women take birth control pills before they anticipate the trip to the United States expecting to be gang-raped. I've been in the desert along the Mexican border, and you see the rape trees where the panties from these rape victims are tossed up on the trees as a trophy. We were here. That's what we're talking about. So children are being given over to smugglers, or maybe not. Because I have another theory also. I believe children are being kidnapped. And don't think it's that far-fetched. We we see these sociopaths who have killed pregnant women and ripped the baby out of the dead woman's uterus because they wanted a child. Not for this purpose, because some woman wanted a baby, whatever. There is no end to the depravity that humans are capable of. That is the one thing that I will tell you being in law enforcement does. It really does pretty serious damage to your faith in humanity. Yes, there's some very wonderful people out there. You must understand that. But I could tell you that I have seen depravity on a scale that you would not even begin to imagine. Welcome to my world of nightmares. And so it is not beyond the realm of possibility that children are being kidnapped and then being used this way. And I can tell you, if these kids are being kidnapped, the likelihood is they're never going to go home again. Maybe they'll survive. Maybe they won't survive. But why is this all happening? It's happening because we don't have a secure border. It's happening because the message across Latin America is very, very clear. If you can come to America with a baby, you're guaranteed getting in. It's a guaranteed ticket to enter the country. Undoubtedly, you will succeed if you bring a child. And what age child do you think is best? The younger, the better. Come across the border with a 10-year-old. A 10-year-old on questioning might well say, I don't know who those people are. I have no idea, but how in the world could you interview that six-month-old infant who was being brought across the Rio Grande at great danger by an illegal alien who had previously been deported, perhaps had a serious criminal history, and no one on the left is screaming about how these children are being endangered, how their lives are being destroyed forever, the damage being done to their families. If those children are not returned to the families, do you think they will ever be the same? When we lose people, it's not the flu, it's an amputation. I've lost family members to cancer, and I can tell you, I still have technicolor nightmares decades later. So we're talking about damage being done to families and children in the third world because America has an insatiable appetite for cheap, exploitable labor, foreign tourists, foreign students, and clients to immigration lawyers. See, that's what we're really dealing with. When a child dies in custody of ICE, it makes headlines. 12-year-old died. What did they do to that child? Meanwhile, the children that are dying are generally dying because they've been sick. They came to the United States extremely ill, and they died. But nobody wants to talk about that. They just want to talk about the fact that he died. There's another form of family separation, by the way, and, and this has to be noted. You have people who are being killed by criminal aliens. <laughs> in fact, it was a horrible story. I was on with Bobby Gunther Walsh this morning over his radio program in, in uh, Pennsylvania, and we talked about these two El Salvadoran members of MS-13 who were arrested by the police in Prince George's County in Maryland. They were charged with conspiracy to commit murder, attempted murder, robbery, and several other serious crimes. They eventually, I guess, pleaded guilty to to robbery and ICE lodged a detainer. And there's a huge problem with MS-13, by the way, in that part of the country. St. George's County, that whole area ringing Washington, D.C., my goodness, they are inundated. I I began investigating MS-13 years ago. I did a study Uh, in conjunction with the Center for Immigration Studies. And they were inundated. The police were happy to talk to us about the, the dangers that everybody was facing, primarily, by the way, in the Latino ethnic immigrant community, because that's where these individuals live. They're the ones who are recruiting these children, teenagers. And as it turned out, Princess Georgia County, because they wanted to give sanctuary to these two thugs, I mean, They're just teenagers. Never mind, they were involved in conspiring to commit murder and were charged initially with attempting to commit murder and other violent crimes. They said, oh, these crimes aren't serious enough. Really? So we're going to ignore the detainer lodged by ICE. So they turned them loose. And within a matter of days, they killed a 14-year-old girl, bludgeoning her and beating her to death with a baseball bat. Why? They were concerned she might tell the police that they had a relationship to the gangs. We have so many dead bodies that we don't even know where they are in New York. I began investigating MS-13 back in the early 90s. They were a small problem. When Obama's policy allowed unaccompanied minors easy access to our border, guess what happened? We got flooded. We got flooded. You could do a timeline, and you could see the numbers go through the roof as soon as unaccompanied minors were given easy access to our border. Some of them are dreamers, by the way. We don't know who's who and what's what without a scorecard, and undocumented aliens have no scorecard. That's what undocumented means. (coughs) Pardon me. So this 14-year-old girl was dead. We have the police digging up bodies all over Long Island, and they are, those bodies are attributed to MS-13. Their slogan is kill, rape, control. But we're going to protect them from the evil ICE agents, because we all know that the ICE agents are the thugs. The ICE agents are the problem. Our immigration laws are immoral. The dead children speed bumps on the roads of globalism. <clears throat> this is the madness we're dealing with. It's the madness we need to speak out about, going back to my point about the First Amendment. Forgive me while I take a sip of water. I've been doing radio all day, and tomorrow I'll be on uh, The Advocates on WEZS Radio (laughs) at 9.35 a.m. They're up in uh, New Hampshire, WEZS. My friend Neil Young invited me, so I'll be joining him tomorrow morning. At 9:35 a.m. until 10 o'clock to talk about these issues. But what, but what you're hearing on my program is not what you're hearing in the mainstream media. <laughs> Nobody is willing to talk about the way that families have split themselves up. <laughs> and that, uh, bear with me, just one moment here. I, I apologize. Go I hate when that happens. The problem is that the media doesn't want you to have the truth, and the politicians want to exploit the situation. The politicians are dependent on campaign contributions that are nothing more than thinly veiled bribes. You have immigration attorneys who are members of Congress, both political parties. When you hear the nonsense that we have to get the immigrants out of the shadows, we're really talking about illegal aliens. Immigrants aren't in the shadows. Neither are the illegal aliens, by the way. But it's not about getting them out of the shadows, folks. It's about getting them into the law firm waiting rooms so they can make money off of them. Everybody but everybody is looking to exploit the immigration crisis, even though they know it's undermining national security, public safety, public health, and wages and jobs for Americans. It's leading to homelessness as wages go down and housing goes up in price more and more Americans are finding it more and more difficult to pay to live in an apartment. When you look at the way flooding our schools impacts the education of our children, particularly America's poor and minority kids, the wealthy can always send their kids to private school. Not a problem for them. But if you are living in poverty and buying school supplies is difficult, and you wind up in a school where a sizable percentage of the children are getting English as a second language because they don't speak, read, or write English. It means that that school will not have the resources to provide other courses of study or services for American children. For example, American kids with learning disabilities. We are shortchanging Americans from the moment they're born to the moment they go to school to the moment they look for a job. <clears throat> All. In the name of globalism It's a con game being foisted on us And unfortunately for far too long Americans have been gullible And we're fighting with each other And we insult each other We need to sit down and compare notes We need to understand Just how terrible this is And how the injustices First and foremost Are being committed against Americans Particularly Americans who are living at the poverty level and members of the minority communities. The ethnic immigrant communities suffer terribly also. But this is not what you're going to hear in the media. All that you hear is that if you support open borders, you're granted this wonderful, exalted title of pro-immigrant. If you suggest that we secure the borders against illegal immigration, you're branded as anti-immigrant and a xenophobe. And that's the language that sets the tone for the discussion that follows. The idea is to put those of us who understand the purpose for our immigration laws on the defensive so that the average American will think that there's something wrong with people like myself because I actually believe in securing our borders. (coughs) It's madness. It's costing lives. It's undermining our national security. It's taking out the futures from our children and their children. But if you dare speak out against it, you will meet resistance. You will meet accusations. You will meet uh, tactics of intimidation and bullying. For all the talk about how bullying is terrible, think about how the bullying plays out against Americans who say to their neighbor, you know, let's take a moment and ask if this makes any sense. You're supposed to follow what you're told without questioning, almost as though it was a religion. Anti-immigrant, evil, bad, xenophobe, hater. It's hard to have a conversation when your neighbors have been brainwashed into believing that those of us who understand the immigration laws and want them enforced are somehow terrible people. It has to stop. And it has to stop with us. You know, I'm a kid from Brooklyn. I had my share of schoolyard fistfights, and I'm not suggesting fistfights. But I am suggesting standing your ground. Arm yourself with the facts. When your neighbor engages in this kind of nonsense, explain to the neighbor, hey, listen, would you be willing to get on an airplane if you saw people sneaking past TSA? I don't know anybody in their right mind that would get on an airplane if they saw a bunch of people sneak past TSA and then get on the same airplane, especially if they were carrying backpacks. Why, then, are we being forced to live among millions of people from other countries who are undocumented? Now, that's a dangerous word. See, the other side started this nonsense. Jimmy Carter started it. Oh, we'll call them undocumented. It sounds better than illegal or trespasser, which is really what we're talking about. <clears throat> but if you stop and think about it, when you meet somebody, the first thing you say to somebody is, hi, my name is Mike. What's your name? Who are you? That's the first thing that happens when a police officer starts, What What's your name? Let me see a license and registration. Well, he wants to identify who you are. Imagine if you knew that there were people living among you who could not properly or would not properly identify themselves. <clears throat> Would that make you feel safe or unsafe? We have companies that say, if you hire our people, they are all background check. We do background checks. If their background check is based purely on a fake name, and if they've never been fingerprinted in the United States, you don't know if they have extensive criminal histories in other parts of the world, because very often the fingerprints, when they don't come back, doesn't mean they were never arrested elsewhere. It just means maybe not arrested here. That's what a sleeper agent does, by the way. Come into the country, keep a low profile, be polite, don't fight with anybody, don't spit on the sidewalk, don't jaywalk, be the model neighbor until the day you're told to go blow something up. But the idea that we are being told that it's improper to be careful with your safety, the safety of your country, your community, your family, because that's what we're talking about. This isn't looking at someone and saying, oh, you know, I don't like his color, or I don't. No, that's not what this is about. The media wants you to believe that. The left wants you to believe that. They're calling for abolishing ICE. Think about that. The agency that investigates and prosecutes employers for unscrupulous illegal hiring practices to protect the livelihoods of Americans, AOC, you know Alexandria the barmaid, wants to do away with ICE. If you're really about labor, which is what I thought the Democrats were about, because that's why I became a Democrat when I was growing up, wouldn't you want ICE agents to be out there aggressively prosecuting employers who knowingly hire illegal aliens? Of course you would. Why, then, would you want to get rid of the agency that has sole authority to prosecute employers for hiring illegal aliens? Obviously, she doesn't see this as a problem. It's the desired effect, you see? Who do you think goes after human traffickers? ICE agents. You want to get rid of the agency that goes after alien traffickers, alien smugglers, human traffickers? Why? <clears throat> and by the way, ICE agents are also in the position to investigate and ultimately prosecute or help with the prosecution of lawyers who are crooked. You got to wonder, draw your own conclusions. But ICE agents don't only arrest illegal aliens. They are the ones that go after the employers. They go after the terrorists. They go after the drug cartels. The second largest number of agents assigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force and point-of-fact are immigration agents. And the Democrats want to do away with ICE. Of course, the Republicans don't want to hire ICE agents. That's why we only have 6,000 ICE agents for the whole country. That number is so pathetic as to be almost meaningless and half the agents are doing customs work. Think about it. The sea and customs and ICE is customs. So immigration law enforcement is hated by both political parties. Be clear about it. So the Democrats can go out there and say we need to totally abolish immigration law enforcement. What they're really saying is let's pave the road for the unscrupulous employers. Let's pave the road to the gangs let's pave the road to the terrorists let's pave the road for crooked lawyers really doesn't this cause you to wonder what's really going on you know the first step in problem solving is to number one identify the problem and acknowledge that there is a problem when people say to you there's no emergency on the border Even though Border Patrol has been clear about this, they have record numbers of apprehensions. A month ago, over 100,000 were apprehended, 100,000. And we don't even know what's coming across the border that we can't find because much of the resources i have written about this have been taken off of Borderline Watch, and they're being used to deal with the aliens in custody. It's kind of like the cal deception. Please read my articles about it as we approach uh, Memorial Day. Think about D-Day. D-Day was preceded by the Calais deception to get the Germans to split their defensive forces so that we could succeed at Normandy. We had the Germans convinced we were coming in through Calais. By tying up the Border Patrol with all these people in detention, those agents are being taken off the line, leaving our border lines far less defended. Not unlike the Calais deception and the run up to D-Day, you see. So If you have politicians telling you this isn't a crisis, it's not an emergency, it's a fantasy created by President Trump, what they're really telling you is this is what they want. They want that flood of humanity coming into the country. Is that in anybody's best interests? That's really the question we should all be asking ourselves. Why in the world would any politician Take measures and make statements that fly in in the face of the law, fly in the face of the 9-11 commission that made it clear that border security is national security, and then oppose the enforcement of laws that are designed to go after unscrupulous employers who knowingly hire illegal aliens, go after the human traffickers and the terrorists at a very dangerous time in history when Hezbollah is working with human traffickers. This is very alarming to me. It should be equally alarming to you. You need to pay attention. And it's really important for you to be involved. If you're a parent or a grandparent or an uncle or, or an aunt, or you have children that you're concerned about or your country that you're concerned about, you need to be involved in politics. As bad as politics is, it's about the future of our country and as a consequence, the future of the next generations of Americans to come. I have children and grandchildren. I worry constantly about their future in our great nation. If there's one job that Americans can and must do, it's get involved. I hope that my program provides you with the information that helps you to ask these politicians the right questions to be able to figure out when they're lying, which is all too frequently. And I hope it helps you to open up conversations, We should be encouraging our neighbors who disagree with us to sit down over a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or a cold beer, this being summer coming, and have an honest conversation. We used to do this all the time. Debate is really important. I don't think anybody should be able to get a high school diploma or a college degree without spending at least one full year on the debating team as an active participant. I've been debating since I was 14 years old, and I can tell you that the skills that I acquired through debate have served me so well throughout my life. I've had people come to me and say, my son, my nephew, my grandson, want to be federal agents, my granddaughter. Should they take criminal justice? And I say to them they can, but I think they'd be better served taking a course or or study in communications, arts, and sciences, because that's where you learn to ask the questions. That's where you learn to analyze the facts and think on your feet. Uh, It's been said that uh, you judge a person's intelligence by the questions that they ask. That's what debate teaches. Let's ask our neighbors those questions in a calm and logical and rational setting. Let's open up those dialogues of communication. Because I really believe that the facts are on our side. I really believe that if the American people truly understood what immigration was about, that it would not be a divisive issue, but an issue that all Americans, irrespective of political orientation, could could agree about. Yes, there's points of difference here and there. But essentially, the idea is to keep out, number one, people who have no inherent right to be in the United States to make certain that we don't let in criminals or terrorists, people with dangerous diseases, or people who would displace American workers. I remember that there was a time when people would be upset if there was a promotion coming in a company. People would be furious if somehow somebody working at another company was brought in to take that new job. Today, frequently, we're not seeing people coming from another company, but another country. When we're told that America needs to employ the best and brightest so that we can lead, I'm from Brooklyn, and in Brooklyn, we have a term for the world's best and brightest. We call them Americans. Please get involved. I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. Uh, Again, please tell all your friends and neighbors about my show, about the website, michaelcutler.net, frontpagemag.com, dmlnews.net. Have a great weekend, everybody. Remember the soldiers, and we'll see you next week. So long for now.